0: De-, De Colores Radio De-, De Colores Radio You're
1: listening to De Colores Radio.
0: Good evening, Oak Cliff, Dehas. I think we can do better than that. Good evening, Oak Cliff, Texas. Really quickly, my name is Rafael Tamayo with the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. I wanna publicly acknowledge our program coordinator who could not be here because she is ill, but she worked tirelessly with SMU to make tonight happen. And this is one of her signature programs, Ripple Effects. So a big shout out to our coordinator from the Oak Cliff Cultural Center, Monica Luna. Some quick information about us, we are the Oak Cliff Cultural Center, a division of the City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture, so we belong to a network of other cultural centers. Our mission is to provide the highest quality arts and cultural experiences in the city with a focus on the South and West Dallas communities, particularly in Oak Cliff. So. A lot of the things that we do rely on the feedback from the community, so you'll see us talking to folks and doing all these kinds of things and being out uh, boots on the ground type of work because we feel that's where the work is most important. So if you ever feel like there needs to be something going on or you need to see something or you wanna work with us, please find us, follow us, tag us. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a website, there's a phone number. You can stop by, we're literally right next door where we will be hosting a meet and greet right after the event. Um, so please reach out to us and like I said find us and follow us and tag us and all that good stuff with that being said I'm gonna hand the mic off to our collaborator for the evening. So y'all please make some noise for SMU
1: Thank you, thank you so much So I, I just want to say a few things about the office that I work for. Good evening everyone. Uh, My name is Danielle Fertil, and I'm a coordinator in the Office of Social Change and Intercultural Engagement at SMU. Um, So our office connects students with opportunities to engage and learn from the community, and we prioritize advocacy and awareness through immersive community engagement experiences and social justice education, which is why we're really, really excited to be working with folks at Oak Cliff Cultural Center. Like we was previously mentioned, this has been such a collaborative effort, and it's been really exciting for me. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and give us a little bit of an introduction about our event tonight, starting off with the biography of Jessica Salgado. I'm really excited to introduce for you tonight Jessica Salgado. Jessica is a Los Angeles-based Salvadoran poet who writes about her family, her culture, her city, and her fat brown body. She has shared her work in venues and campuses throughout the country. Salgado is a 2017 and 2018 National Poetry Slam finalist. Her work has been featured in the Los Angeles Times, Teen Vogue, Univision, Vibe Magazine, Huffington Post, NPR, TEDx, and many digital platforms. Jessica is the author of the monthly column, Suelta for Remezga and the Amazon bestsellers, Corazon, Tesoro, and Hermosa, published with Not Occult Media. Please join me in welcoming Jessica Salgado tonight.
2: I'm going to be hella hydrated. I have all the water up here. How's everybody doing? I know I didn't ask beforehand, but if there's a mic stand that I could get somewhere just because. Hi. How are you doing, Dallas? When I'm in Dallas, right? Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know how, like artists that like tour like for real, <laughs> how they do it. Cause I'm like, where am I? Is this just another part of LA? Like sometimes I forget I left LA. <laughs> Cause LA looks like a lot of other places, depending where what part of LA you're in. And so I'm like, oh, this is artsy. Like I'm in, I'm in like Highland Park, you know. Sorry, I had something in my pocket in my titty pocket. Welcome, I'm a poet and I say words like titty. (laughs) So I'm such an honor to be here. My name is Jessica Salgado. I write poems and other stuff, but mostly poems. Um, I have a column named Suelta where I pretty much talk about relationships and just how many shit, well, yes. (laughs) But no, yes, no, maybe. If you're a man and you're here, cool. Hmm. But all my women and femmes, what's up? Yes, my non-binary babies also, shout out to you. Um, I'm Salvadoran, so that means not Mexican, uh, in case anybody's confused. It's a little farther south. Um, It's a tiny little country, um, and we have more food than just pupusas, uh, but the pupusas are bomb. And I'm here because I was asked, I was invited out here by the beautiful programs that they told you all about, but also because I'm promoting my third book, Hermosa. (laughs) So I call my book My Children, and um, this is my my youngest child of three. Corazon was a book that answered the question of whether I was worthy of love or not. The Soto asked the question. Of how do we survive the men that we love, specifically the men in my family? But Hermosa isn't a question. Hermosa is just me being who I am, me being my own home. And and so it's it's the end of a trilogy of books that explore love in the way that it exists and how family influences the way that you love. And um, and I write about love so much because I think what what else is more beautiful than that? What else is more beautiful than the sweet joy and the and the beautiful ache of love? And so, um and everything is love. Like I love I, I write love poems about my family, about um my my niece and my nephew, about um men, unfortunately. Um <laughs> I was cursed by being heterosexual. But well, you know, I cope with it every day. Um <laughs> um but yes. Yeah, uh you're such a lovely gr- you're such a lovely group and you're already laughing when I want you to laugh. So that's great. But feel free to communicate with me in any kind of way. It's dark so I can't really see your beautiful faces, but also this is not I'm not here to just talk to myself. This is a conversation. So if you hear something that you say that you if you hear something that moves you, you can clap, you can yell back at me. You can be like, "Girl, leave him." Or, you know. Or you know, whatever. Fuck him. I I cuss. Right. So I have some poems for you, is that cool? you bitch, get to them. Okay. I was born, and sometimes I want that to be all the story there is to tell. I was born and there was a parade or a fiesta, and mommy came home in a gown and I was a corsage on her wrist. Papi chugged down a beer, stuck two fingers in his mouth, and whistled my tia's laughed. Theos drank, the cousins old enough to hold me, passed me along, one pair of hands to the next. She's here, she's here, la niña is here. If only that were it. But I was born and the story had just begun. Thank you. Any Salvadorans here? Clap, oh, you're out here. Y'all made it to The Tejas. Tejas is so big. Texas is so big. I'd be acting like Texas is little. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to Texas. They're like, bitch, what part? <laughs> I was like, I already did Texas. I went to San Antonio. And they're like, yeah, girl. You, there's a lot more to see. I'm like, whatever. And then on, on Instagram, I'm like, I'm coming to Dallas for the first time. And y'all were quick to correct me. No, you were already here. So... But you know, we're doing it in style this time. Um, so there's a word bayunca that we use as Salvadorans, and bayunca the best way to explain it is a word that you will always hear from your mother's mouth and she's telling you not to be that. So bayunca could be don't be uh, don't be silly, don't be torpe, like don't be clumsy, or or don't embarrass me, right? Like, if you're, not, if you're hiding from a relative that you're too shy to say hi to, they're like, no seas bayunca, va a saludarlo." Or if you're like jumping around, and like, You know, it's always something that you're not supposed to be. I had a tia that would sometimes drink a beer and play poker at parties. The other mujeres would murmur, beer is a man's drink, milk and coffee is for the mothers. They drink their cafecito at the table while talking about fulana de tal or aquella bayunca que se cree mucho. And I sit as closely as I could listening to the gossip, memorizing names of all the scandalous relatives, the Theo with kids from a secret woman, the cousin who left to Mexico because he got in trouble here, the loca that is off acting like a man again, and those were my favorite stories. Woman doing what women don't do. I imagine all the beer I'd drink when I got older. I'd chug it down like a cold soda and burp loudly on purpose. I'd cackle big and booming, wouldn't care when the mujeres say, esa niña es tremenda. Instead, I would lift up another beer and say, así es, tía, salud. Okay. So my mother's sister, stay, my aunt, my, her older sister, staying with us for a couple of weeks and oh, I don't really, I don't like beer, I'm more of a henny kind of girl. Oh, and She'd be making me need some henny. I, I told her about the time that I burned my stomach with boiling water on Thanksgiving so nobody lets me make coffee anymore. And that's how I got out of having to cook. And so then she's like, you should be careful, you could die like that. And I was just like, no, not with like a mug of coffee. And she's like, well, so-and-so's daughter pulled a, a pot of boiling corn and it fell on her and she died. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And then her and my mom be watching La Rosa de Guadalupe and they start telling it gets it gets it gets interesting. So the next poem is this next poem is called Papi in five parts. And I feel that sometimes um a lot of us writers, we we um the reason we start writing isn't because of of y'all. Y'all are just a beautiful gift that comes with the writing, right? Many of us, especially I've learned that um, most writers of color, um, we write to survive right? And and so this poem was a poem that I always wanted to write. I grew up with an alcoholic father, and I always didn't know how I was going to get this poem just right, something that explained it exactly the way that I needed it to be explained. And finally, one day, it just poured out of me as a whole poem. And I was sitting at my computer sobbing. I was sobbing so loud, I thought, like, I was going to scare the neighbors. And then um, I performed it at my local open mic, the Poetry Lounge, which is my home venue. And um And then I realized that I wasn't at a place where I was ready to share that with other people, especially this specific poem in the way that it was. And so I put it away. And when I went to go look back for it a year later that I wanted to use it for something, I couldn't find it. And I searched everything where I usually keep my work, and I couldn't find it, I couldn't find it, and I was devastated. And I have a friend named Vanessa, and uh, Vanessa and I were, at the time, were fairly new friends when I lost the poem, but she had been coming to the poetry lounge for a while, and then we became such good friends, she would pick me up from work and take me to the poetry lounge when I used to work uh, at a parking garage. Yeah, I worked at a parking garage, but I don't know how to drive, but that's... (laughs) Whatever. Um, I just took their money. But um, So then I'm telling her about this whole thing. And then she goes, oh, I remember hearing that poem. She goes, actually, I recorded the audio of it. And so she had the voice note in her phone and sent me the voice note of a poem that she recorded before we were even friends. And so this this way, this poem that I wrote came back to me to save me again. And so I knew that it was always gonna be part of a book and it just so happened that the book that it ended up being in was Hermosa. And it's called, um, I share that story because I think The story is just as important as the poem, you know? Um, You never know when the poem is gonna come back and show up at your set and be like, we have unfinished business. The first one is a quiet Sunday afternoon. I find myself holding his hand so often. There is no need for me to tell him I love him. At dinner, I prefer to eat from his plate instead of mine and he never stops me. He is tender so tender, I pretend to fall asleep with my head on his chest just to hear him breathing. As if I were inside of him, a vital organ, as if this were the reason I was made, he calls me his heart and never lets me doubt it. I know the second one has come home by the slam of the door, it is 3 a.m. and every light is on. His music is loud and angry like him. When I ask him what's the matter and beg him to go to bed, he answers and sounds like a hand slapped to a face or a body slammed to a wall or glass broken to a cheek and I try not to cry because because my tears are like blood into a shark and he is a shark in the deepest part of the night. My name is caught in his jaws, there is so much yelling. I wonder why the police haven't been called. So much anger, I fear the sun won't rise in time to save either one of us. The third one is full of jokes that sound like insults. His humor is as cheap and easy as that vodka he likes. The fourth one, never remembers how much he's hurt me. When we bump into each other in the kitchen the next morning, he won't look me in the eyes. His apologies come as a hurried kiss to a forehead, as a mumbled, I love you, before he rushes out the door. I resent him, sometimes even hate him. It is so difficult to love him, but if I don't, who else will? Who else will forgive him? Who else will save him? Who else will make him want to change? The fifth one. The fifth one. I wished for every single day of my life. Every time I blew out a birthday candle or I knelt in a church pew, I begged to God to send him to me soon. And when he finally did, when God finally gave me a sober father, He was so broken, so brittle, so apologetic, so willing to make it work. I had no choice but to forget everything that had ever come before him in the day that he left me. As a sudden exhale of wind, as a slight twitch of a foot, as a hand I couldn't release. I remember the first one, how as a little girl, I used to pretend to fall asleep with my head on my father's chest just to hear him breathing, as if I were an appendage of his body, as if this were the reason I were made, as if he had never become anyone else other than the man that called me his corazón and never let me doubt it. Thank you. So the first time I smoked weed was in the name of love. Some of y'all relate. I'm trying to come back from, from that poem that sometimes takes a lot from me, so I'm going to share this story with you. Ricardo was a cholito with eyelashes that curled all on their own. Why did we like that? That and guys with dimples. We always wanted the guys with the dim- I don't know if it's a Texas thing, but in L.A., if a guy had dimples, you're like, oh, my God, he has dimples. I'm like... Bitch, that's a birth defect, (laughs) but okay, okay. Um, (laughs) I was down to do anything for Ricardo. It was third period when we both leaned our heads over an apple turned pipe. He talked me through the inhale. I looked up into his eyes, almost forgetting to exhale. We hid in the baseball field until the bell rang. When we walked to class, I did not know if I was high or if I was floating. Maybe both. And we got to algebra class. Ricardo leaned in and through the fog, I heard him say, Hook me up with your (laughs) homegirl. Fucking Ricardo. And then I was back on earth and in my fat girl body again. The apple should have given it all away. Thank you. Get him in a chokehold. Y'all are intense. You know. How many of you are in love? Make noise because I can't see you. Okay. How many of you? How many of you are heartbroken? It's more of you, but you're just not trying to. Okay. It's Friday night. You're not trying to open the wounds yet. But y'all came to hear me read poems, and, and if y'all know a thing or two about me. Either way, here's this poem. That isn't for either thing. It's called Yakasi. Your parents say goodbye while they're still sitting at the dinner table. Then they stand with their keys in their hands and say it again. Then they move to the door and say it some more. Then the driveway. When the car turns on, your Theo leans a hand on the window while they keep saying goodbye. And then your mommy forgets something and runs back inside. They all stand by the car a little bit more. So you fall asleep, and then you wake up and they're still there. So you get back out of the car to play with your cousins. But papi calls you back in. Theo smacks the car one time and Thea waves. And you know that now, You're leaving for real, finally, but you wish you had kept saying goodbye for a little bit longer. When you grow up and you are a full blown adult in love and the love goes sour, you threaten to leave You sit at the table and say, I am gone. Some days pass. You stand with your keys in your hand. You swear you're going to do it. Weeks later, you make it to the door. Say goodbye some more. Make it to the driveway. Your lover leans in, promises all the right things with one hand on your thigh, and you linger. But you swear it's only for a little. Grow numb and forget about breaking up. It's like you fall asleep, settle into staying. You are all in again but remember why you have to go. This time it is real. You are finally gone, but you wish you had taken a little bit longer. Thank you. Y'all feel like I tricked you, right? Like you were like, I was laughing and now I'm crying. That's my life. (laughs) What I remember of love. Laughing with a mouth pressed to his bare shoulder. Pulling over on Beverly to point out the full moon. My hand curled around his, a six-hour fever confessional on Christmas Eve. Smiling so much that my face hurt. Ironing his work shirt. His voice at 3 a.m., never speaking over me, listening even when he disagreed, drunken phone calls to murmur he loves me, reading the same book, having different opinions about its ending, shade playing while we make love, calling each other when work feels pointless, crying into his lap, making bets about politics, arguing but never leaving, knowing he sees me, all of me, and still stays. Back then, when I knew him, before he knew someone else, when distance became an aftertaste in each kiss, when I forgot what his snoring sounds like, when it got so complicated we stopped trying. Baby, I remember love. It is all I ever do. Thank you. What is love? It's 2 a.m. and the lights in the club have come on. You're tipsy, sweaty, your lover presses his hand into the small of your back, guides you out into the street, past the crowd, and straight to the hot dog vendor. He leans over you and says, Deme dos con todo, por favor. (laughs) Hot dogs are a big deal in L.A. Like, what is falling out of love? It is 2 a.m. the lights in the club have come on. You are tipsy, sweaty, your lover walks ahead of you into the street, past the crowd, and straight to the car. You ride home in silence. He drops you off, you get into bed, hungry, drunk, alone. I ate his ass because I loved him. That's the only, okay, I'm not gonna look at anybody directly, but cis hetero men, if you use a five-in-one body soap shampoo thing, they're all going to break up with you tonight. Okay. I ate his ass because I loved him. I gave myself, the people that brought me out are probably like, this girl. Okay. Gave myself lockjaw sucking dick, swallowed the bitter cum, nodded when asked, whatever it is that he asked. I let him eat my pussy all wrong. I moaned, I moaned in the name of romance. I arched my back, pulled him in for a kiss. His heart was in the right place. Later, I laughed with my girls. I really don't know what the joke was, his awful sex or me neglecting my body and calling it love. Gotcha, bitches, no, I'm kidding. No, that was one of those, when I wrote it, I, I, I was in a moment where I was thinking of, of my own relationship that won't end because I keep forgetting that I ended it. And then, um, but I was just like, I saw that meme that said when you're laughing, when you're with your girls and you're laughing about your ex and then you realize it's your ex. And so then I wrote the poem, because I was just like, I keep laughing about how awful this man is, and I keep fucking him. So that's, joke's on me. So um, every book that I've written has at least one poem in Spanish in it, and it's because I've always wanted my mother to have her own experience with my work. One second, hold on. I don't want to go over my time. Okay, we're good. Um, I don't... I want my mom to have her own experience with my work. I don't want her to, to I want her to have something that I don't have to translate for her, right? And so then in Hermosa, when I was thinking of what poem I was gonna put that I've written in Spanish, I decided to choose um, a poem about heartbreak because I feel that um, I kept getting women coming to my shows with their mothers, right? And it's like these mother-daughter duels that have found connection over my work. And I, and I thought that it, how beautiful it would be for them to be able to connect in their in their mother's language over something that we usually don't have something to, like they we're never given our stories the way that we live them in our language, right? And so um, this poem is called Tontita, and I wrote it to myself, but if the shoe fits. Some of us, were, some of us are all tontitas, tontitos, tontices I don't know, um, okay. Vení aquí, mi niña tonta, mi lloroncita, mi corazoncito roto. ¿Por qué lo quieres? ¿Por qué lo buscas? ¿Qué te dio que te tiene tan perdida? Claro que lo amas, ¿cómo no lo vas a amar? Si él fue el primero que te dijo que quería todo lo que tú has querido. Yo sé que es bonito consentir a quien uno ama, tener a quien cuidar. Pero mi niña loca. Mi palomita triste, mi cielito gris. Ese hombre no quería ser querido. Él lo que buscaba era olvidar y tú, mi amor, tú no eres el olvido. ¿Te acuerdas de tu papi? De ese amor tan grande. De las tardes bajo los palos de limones y tú y él hablando de las noticias o de algún deporte o de un compañero de trabajo y de vez en cuando tú, chiquita linda, le preguntabas, papá, «¿Cómo se dice tal cosa en español?» Y él te contestaba casi riendo, y tú seguías con tu cuento. ¿Te acuerdas de ese amor? ¿Cómo puedes amar a alguien que no te puede dar lo mismo? Corazón, dime, ¿qué te trae tan mareada por un hombre que jamás te amó como te enseñaron a amar? Dime, que yo no lo entiendo. Thank you. I used to sell knives door-to-door for Vector, you know when you cut the penny? See, this is what happens when you give me wine before a show. I'm just, I'm just running my mouth up here, but, but y'all are so great. Okay, so I used to sell knives door-to-door. It was only two doors, but it sounds better if I say door-to-door. I gave up after the second door. <laughs> I worked in a parking garage booth, I was a salesperson in a paper goods store, I developed 30-minute film, called folks about refinancing their homes, I nannied a pair of twins, I became head cashier at another drugstore. I would take the bus to each job, all of them out west in Santa Monica or in Palisades or in Westwood, in white neighborhoods. I used to commute three to four hours every day. I know the city the way that I know heartache. I could taste it before I can give it words. I mourned my father on the 704. I got my test results about my infertility on the 302. I wrote the first poem in my first book on the 201. I broke up with plenty of boyfriends over the phone at bus stops. I made my way to the beach and contemplated walking out into the water, but I always came back on the last bus, counted the purple trees on my block, kissed my mother's cheek good night. Gentrification tried to tell me that what once loved me can no longer love me back. And I laughed, you can't take what's already in my blood. I taught him to say yes. Years, I whispered each letter into his sleeping ears, rubbed them into his palms, kissed them over his cherry wood skin, and when he finally said yes, it was to someone else. And so I found out because he had hidden his IG stories from me and I noticed I hadn't seen them, so I signed really quickly into another account and um, and I saw the little highlighted circle and I was just like, don't go looking for what you don't want to find. And I was like, well, I want to find the truth, right? So I clicked on it and it was a picture of a jack-o'-lantern and the caption said, our first pumpkin carving, and there was a woman tagged. And so this is someone that for years we, were, we dated, we broke up, and then we were in this weird limbo and um, we both supposedly weren't ready for relationships and then he wasn't ready for it. And, and so I thought, well, you know, as long as he's clear about what he can give me. I'm okay with that. Apparently he wasn't. And um, and then I found out and then we didn't talk for months. And then they broke up and this ha- poem happened because they always come back, right? Hold up. they Somebody said they do? Somebody's going through it in the back? Did somebody come back? Huh? Right here? Oh. Girl, we have another poem for that. We'll get to that one, okay. <laughs> you are lit. Everybody come to my hotel after I'm kidding. No 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 no. So okay, segue. But I didn't want to like talk much more. I wanted to give you a lot more poems. But I have to tell you the story. Why I don't invite, hang out with anybody like one-on-one anymore. Because in San Jose, there was a woman that had come out to a bunch of my shows in, in the Bay Area in, in California. And then I was just like, oh, I've seen her like five or six times by now. She's like a person, right? Like, like I've seen her enough. And so she's like, let me take you to dinner. So she took me. To dinner and we had a margarita with like an extra shot at dinner and we're like, cool. She's like, Do you want to go dancing? Do you want to go to a bar? Do you want to go to karaoke? And I'm like, karaoke's chill. You could just sit and watch. You don't have to like you could turn up as much as you want to or not turn up, right? And then um I had I was there to work and the next day I was gonna teach a workshop and perform and do all these things and I don't really drink a lot before performance because then my I have a my throat I lose my voice. So um I go too hard. And so um <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I went hard, so then we get to this karaoke spot, and then like she's like, "I'm gonna go get a drink and I give her my card, and I say, "Open a tab and like just put it on my card, right?" And she's like, "What do you want?" And I said, a henny and pineapple, which is my drink, And she's like, "Oh, I'm getting a shot. Do you want a shot And I was just like, "Oh, we're doing shots." Well, okay, then so then she comes back with shots. She's like, I got this round. She comes back with shots. And so then I still just wanted a drink to nurse. You know, you want to have, like, a drink in front of you. And so then I go go back and get his drinks. Here's my card. And so she goes to the bar and comes back with four shots. And then I was just like, she goes, oh, I ran into my friend, and he bought us these. And she brings the guy over. It's clear that they don't know each other. And so the night progresses. She ends up having seven shots. I stop after, like, two or three, right? Like, I'm like, I'm good. And also, she's petite. And so, like, the math isn't making sense. (laughs) So when we're, remember, I don't drive. We're leaving, and she can't walk. She's blacked out, and so, and she's parked in an illegal spot. And so if I left her, if I left her car there, I was going to get towed. So I had to trust this friend of hers, this man we don't know, to move her car while I'm holding her, and she's, like, blacked out. And so he parks her, and then he goes, let me take you to your hotel, and Uber won't let you get in with her blacked out. And it's true. They won't let you in. And so then I had to trust that this man wasn't going to murder us to take us to my hotel. And then her phone died, so I couldn't even figure out her address or anything. I let her in. I bring her into my room, and then like, I'm like, I'm just going to let her sleep a few hours. I, two hour, I order McDonald's for us and Uber Eats. I bring it in. I wake her up to try to feed her. She's out. Three hours later, I try to wake her up again. She's out. And then, like, at 5 in the morning, I was pissed. Because I was like, she's in my bed. And, like, diagonally. And, like, this person I don't know. And, like, her makeup is on my pillowcase. It was just. And so then I'm like, go home. And she's just like, chill out. Just get in bed. Get in bed. And I was like, bitch, this is my room. I'm <laughs> so she never left. She never left. I woke up at 10 in the morning. And she gets up to go to the bathroom. And she's naked. She got naked throughout the night, and so I was laying next to a naked person, and then like, and she woke up because I opened all the windows, and I was like blasting music, and I was just like, you're, I, I Latina mommed her, you know, like, I went full Latina mom, where I was just like, I was cleaning the hotel room, it's a fucking hotel room, but I was doing shit, banging doors, and so she wakes up, she's like, oh, you should come over to my house, my mom made Pozole, and I'm like, we're not friends, and so that's why you can't come to my hotel room. The end, okay, sorry. No, I'm not gonna, sorry, I don't, after that I didn't trust the this. Okay, I have five minutes, so shut up. Um, 4 a.m. and you want me to come outside and hug you, It's 2019 and the world is underwater. It is not supposed to rain in Los Angeles, but the valley has been flooding all week. The palm trees lining Sunset Boulevard are waterlogged and my legs and eyelids are swollen. I beg you to let me sleep. 4 a.m. is too late and too early to do anything, but here you are and I don't want you to be. You say that this is love and I say that this is a torrent. I can't tell stories about men without mentioning my father, my greatest love. My biggest scar, he had caramel eyes like yours. And when you lean in like this, alcohol swelling on your breath, you smell the same, 4 a.m. becomes 5, and my arms are crossed. Your hands are in my hair. A year ago, this would have been the poem. There are small storms, and then there are hurricanes, and baby, we have been both. I am here, you say. As if this is the ship we both have been praying for. There is nowhere to go. Your lips taste like salt. The neighbors turn on their lights. My voice cracks. I am no longer made of unrequited love. It rained for days and you are what the sky washed up. But it is too late. Thank you. When you come checking on me, know that I haven't fallen into the fire. I picked myself up said I can still do it without him. When I heard you had a new girlfriend, I didn't imagine her body. I didn't imagine my own fat one away. Instead, I worked, I planned, I opened a savings account, wrote, smoked on cold nights, drank on good nights, cut off 12 inches of my hair, took pictures, booked a cruise, flew to San Francisco, lay in a bed with white sheets. I called men, I stopped calling when I loved you. I bought jewelry, took myself to dinner, the movies alone, a bar alone, went to concerts with friends and stood close to the stage, sang loud with my face to the sky, my skin as soft as you left it. When you come checking on me, when your palms itch at the sound of my name, know that I haven't fallen into the fire, instead I became it. We good? Okay, I'm gonna do two more for you, and then we're, we're and then we're gonna move on to the next part of the night. Okay? What? Oh, I love you. But like, hi. <laughs> Trying to figure out. Okay, two and a half ones, Okay, two and a half. It's two and a little tiny one. Let's say that it worked. You became boyfriend that then became husband. And I had the babies and named them after planets. I don't know why I wanted to name my kids after planets. I wanted to have a kid and name him Jupiter. That's fucked up. <laughs> Maybe that's why the universe won't let me have kids. <clears throat> we built a house out of straw. You kept your bottles and I kept everything else. We tied our relationship out in the yard with your parents, with our parents. Two angry dogs that bark day and night. You still hold me like I can break and I still cry during sex, but it's love, you and I. We are a mess, you and I. Let's say it worked. We got the life I planned for us. You work all day and I don't write anymore. I don't travel, I raise the kids, I I, I raise the kids. I keep my anger, you keep your drinking. The dogs bark so loud I can't hear you. The dogs bark so loud we stop kissing. The dogs bark so loud you start looking like my father and I leave just like your mother. Let's say it worked. We kept each other, but along the way we ruined everything else. We did not work out. That's fine. The years will take care of the ache. What we learned of each other is still alive. Go, be happy, and come tell me about it someday. You know that, you know you're grown and you're like, okay, (laughs) I guess, go be happy. But also, you're fed up of the person. You're like, look, at this point, this shit didn't work. Please go find someone else. Please. Please. Okay. And this last poem is called Diaspora Rights to Her New Home. And um, the, books, the poems in this book are, I read them backwards. So if you go back and you're not confused or whatever, um, it tells the story of me present day until baby Jessica. So it tells the story backwards. And so... Um, yeah. It's called Diaspora Rights to Her New Home, and this is for all of us um, first generation babies. I am what comes after the Civil War. After the dismembered corpses, the burnt sugarcane fields, the mango tree with a single strung body, the man with his tongue in his pocket, the soldiers and the guerrilla, the exodus of my grandmother's children. I arrived after the fleeing after the bruise was named a desert, after the new country extended its concrete arms with reproach, after living in garages, huddling in small apartments, after raising blonde children who do not know our language, after washing cars we do not drive, after keeping home for women with alabaster skin, after falling in love in the time of asylum, after the alcohol took to my father's veins, after the family murmured his sins, after my mother cut off the long coil of her curls, I found my way here and I stayed. A fist of a girl with eyes big as a wailing mouth. I was born with a pen under my tongue. I know and own all words ever spoken. I am the dream and the nightmare. The burning bush, Moses, David, Goliath, Mary, Magdalene, the Holy Virgin, God himself, dead and resurrected. I am not the survival I came after. I am the victory a boastful flag, I am not a promise. I am a threat, I am what takes and does not give back. A new history, a forked tongue, a priestess, church and communion, a woman with her own legacy. Take this, my story, eat it, and remember me. Thank you so much, thank you. And um, I'm supposed to be joined by somebody up here. They're, okay, they're coming. I'm like, hi, I'm supposed to have company.
0: One more time, Texas Theater for Jessica Salgado. There we go, I hear the prat. <laughs> it was good, Cliff. It gives me great honor and pleasure to introduce our moderator for the evening, hailing from Grand Prairie, Texas, the host and boss B of Decolores Radio, a.k.a. Ev the Stallion. Make some noise for Eva Arreguin. Hi, little
2: baby. I'm bringing him on tour. Have him introduce me everywhere. Hi, baby.
3: Hi, how are you? We got some honey. I do. I had to.
2: Anybody got some pineapple juice? (laughs) <laughs> y'all
3: bring her some pineapple juice because I don't have that. I did bring here. the henny though. It's, we're hydrated up here. So hydrated.
2: I we have good skin.
3: Uh, hey, look at your little Huanga. That's
2: so cute. You know, that's my baby. Aww. How are y'all doing?
3: How are we feeling? Aw. Okay, I'm going to put my water over here because we got plenty over there. No, no, no. Here. That'll okay. be your water. Um, Is anybody drinking? Okay, so we're not alone. What, they serve that on here? Yeah. My kind of place. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank what you. What are you I drinking? Ooh, ooh, cranberry. Do you want some? Or no? I feel like we're feeling good already, kind we're of. We're feeling
2: good. Okay. You don't want, if I'm already like this, after of one cup of wine, you don't want to see me.
3: Or we kind of want to see, right? After the Henny. Okay, so I also put my phone in my titty, and... <laughs> It's pockets. It's storage. Have y'all seen the video where the lady pulls a Henny bottle out of her titties?
2: Yeah. I kind of wanted to do that, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Can I tell you a quick Henny story? Please. So there's this uh, karaoke spot in LA that used to let you bring in whatever you wanted, like bring your own everything. And so now they cut out the alcohol because they don't have a liquor license. So uh, we went and my homegirl uh, stuck a bottle of Henny between her thighs. How? She has thick thighs.
3: She just walked with it? You know
2: Mala of Locatora Radio?
3: Okay, okay, yeah, 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 So yeah. she put
2: the honey bottle between her beautiful thighs <laughs> and walked in. No thigh gaps here, baby. Yes, yeah. so she walked in with the bottle of Henny, and she had brought like a, um, a brisk bottle, and she's like, she comes in and she gives them to me, and then I go, I'll be right back. And so I go to the bathroom, and they check your trash to make sure you don't have alcohol. Like, they're that serious about it. Wow. They find you if you have alcohol. So I go to the bathroom and I drop out some of the iced tea and I put in the like I put in all the honey and uh-huh. the bottle and we mix it up. And then I'm like, what the fuck do I do with the empty bottle? <laughs> I can't put it in the trash. Right, they'll find you. We're the only we were in the VIP section, oh, so we were shit. the only ones there. And um, Oh no, I was just kidding. Oh damn oh, it. Oh, now we do have to Damn do- it. Okay. Thank you. I'm adopting him. That's oh. my child now. But um so like what do I do with this empty bottle now? And so I lift up the water tank part of the toilet, and I put the bottle in the t- the water tank. You're a genius. And then I was just like, I'm out. And so now I don't know if they ever found it. I need to go back and see if it's still there.
3: So I'm a mixologist now. There we go. Are y'all gonna drink with us? Cause
2: I don't want to drink alone. Well, not alone. You know, we're right mm. here. But you know, imagine if this multiplies like the bread and loaves. Like <laughs> just all of a sudden we have all enough the for people. everybody. Or pineapple just line up like communion. I'll give you guys all a sip.
3: You get pineapple henny. You get pineapple henny.
2: We're Latinxes. A lot of us are Catholic here. I'll just stand over here and it will be like, the blood of Jessica. There you go.
3: Father, Son, there Holy Spirit. There you go. I wait. I'm going to do very little for me. I'm a lightweight. Okay, do a heavy
2: pour for me. Okay.
3: This one's yours. Tell me when. Yahweh. Ah! A little bit. Wait.
2: This there thing is brown now. Yeah, it's gotta be like um.
3: Wow, I'm impressed. It looks like orange juice now. It's yeah, not even high it apple. has.
2: If it's not this color, you're not, you're not drinking.
3: I'm not drinking. Okay, I haven't. I only had one meal today. That's. Uh, I gotta be. Oh, let me. We're not sponsored by Henny, but I, we should be. We should be together. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Cheers! 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 cheers
2: hey. eh. oh that's good i've never done that the henny and pineapple yeah you don't get a hangover because it, it doesn't have the syrupy all the nutrients it unhealthy. doesn't have the syrup
3: that mixed drinks have wow i just do henny coke and, and i've done henny hot cocoa but
2: not this pineapple kind of hydrates you a little bit yes. so you're not really hangover.
3: the tropical the ancestry connection there's layers there So I am supposed to moderate this conversation, (laughs) and I should get started on that now. So we all love and adore you. Give another round of applause for Jessica Salgado. Because there's so much beauty in who you are that I've always waited for this moment because I knew it was going to happen. I was like, one fat queen to another. It's going to happen. So I'm very happy to be here with you. I'm so happy you got your fishnets out for me. Yeah, yes. I, just for you. They got holes in them. Like if you look real close, oh if no, you look real close. But that's the style. It is. It's that's it's on the purpose. The thing. That's what I did, and yeah. it's all for you. Thank you. So I'm gonna get started now. Okay. So when was the moment you knew
2: you had a special gift for writing? Ah. Uh, I mean, you know, like, teachers were always really excited. Ooh, like At a very young age? You know, the white teachers, they'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> She's a special one. <laughs> I'm going to save her, you know? Like, I had a lot of that. They do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They do do that. So, I had a lot of that growing up.
3: Yeah. So, from, a, like, grade school?
2: From grade school, yeah. And then,
3: did you believe it yourself, like, the whole time?
2: I knew that it was the one thing I could do. Because yeah. I can't sing, I can't dance. I, I literally don't have other talents. Like...
3: That's it. I write
2: poems really well, and that's it.
3: Well, you're amazing at it, so that's great. Well, I hope so. <laughs> so then, what was the big moment, I guess, in your career that you were like, "Oh shit, I'm really doing this"? Because I know that I love that you're so open with how you got here, and you worked as at the parking lot, and you worked at CVS, and like even if you were following that journey, and you're open about how you used to catfish and all this shit that's like so modern, that I just love your your journey and and so I want to know like when you knew that you were that bitch basically
2: uh I mean I think I've, I I think it's not like a you have to just associate a little bit when mm-hmm. it happens like this um especially I, I still sometimes can't make sense of it mm. so like I mean I I think I know I deserve it yeah and I don't have that like, do I deserve this? Am I, yeah. am I doing like syndrome? shit? Like, I don't have imposter. Like, I mean, we all have imposter syndrome, right. but I don't have this um, resentment towards my success. But I do have a slight association where i be forgetting. Mm. Like, literally, like I forget, and then beautiful things happen, and I'm like, what? They offered me this, and then like somebody would be like, bitch, like, right? You're yes, <laughs> like, duh. You're Yesica Salgado, and when people right. tell me my own name back to me, I'm like what does that mean (laughs) like it's my name yeah but it's it's that and um i think right now in this moment i'm at a very like institutions that i never expected to open Mm. doors for me so i never knocked on those like i i say a lot i have no interest in climbing the mountain right my interest is in teaching the mountain how to kneel Mm. and the mountain is kneeling and that is so wild like I'm gonna be freelancing for the New York Times.
3: Wow, you know that um, is amazing.
2: And I don't have a single diploma of That's anything. Amazing!
3: I love it. Congrats! But, you That's know, so thank exciting. you so much. Had you announced
2: that or no? I mean, like, I I did on my Instagram, but okay. like, it's still in that. And then also, it's always that weird, like, when is it real? Like, you know, like, do I wait to public? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. always you always. I think. I think we always try to find a way to discredit our our, our success right because we're not supposed to have all this right, mm. or we've been told we're not supposed to have all this so we we are like that's a white people thing that's a right. that's uh no for real like I grew up thinking that like an artist's life was something that wealthy people got to do or something that white folks, like, literally, white folks got to do. I never saw anyone like me doing right. anything. On like, Sandra Cisneros, and then, like, that's it. And then I was just like, all right, one girl made it. Yeah. You know, and then, like, and then I found other other writers. Right. But, but like, so it's been a lot of talking myself and to being like, no, you deserve this. Mm. And, then, and then also, even if I don't think I deserve it, like, I saw some, a tweet, but I yeah. believe it too, where it's like, like... My imposter syndrome might be kicking up before I get in there, but once I get in that room, I forget about that shit. Yeah. And, like, I take up as much space as I can. Right. And,
3: and that's the important part, right? Because that's the power in yourself, mm-hmm. and that's really hard to get to that point where you can forget it.
2: Yeah, like, what um, was it? Just a couple of days ago, I was booked for, um, a brand booked me for something, and then they wanted me to read a poem at their event. And so uh, the person who was doing like the manager thing for me mm-hmm. for that, she sent them the poem that I wanted to read and they were like, how will this apply to the brand? And I said, just tell them yes to whatever they want and I'm still gonna show up and do whatever I want. Ooh. Cause what I do, cause I know what the room right. wants. They don't know. Like to ha- like. They think they know. Yes, and I think that that's maybe the answer to your question. Like, mm-hmm. When I knew that I've gotten to a certain point is where I know that I know what's best for my audience. Nobody else does. Ooh.
3: Snaps for that. please. I can't use my hands, so I can't do it. All right. So then what motivates you the most still in your work?
2: Um, I mean, there's a financial part, right? Like where you want to be able to, like, buy your mother a house. Mm. Like my family. Like, you know, like I have my mom, my sisters. my One of my sisters has kids. Mm-hmm. She has her partner, but I just feel like... My dream is to buy, like, a duplex or, like, a huge-ass house where we could all, like, ready-bunch it, right? Yeah. I don't know if they want to live with me, but yeah. I'd be, like, I make plans. <laughs> I got you if you but, need it. But also, like, at the end of the day, I'm still that girl that used to write to cope. Hmm. And so even if, whether or not people were buying my books or not, I would still be writing poems. This is just a beautiful add-on to, like, right. everything else, you know?
3: Right. So one of your obvious, like you write about love and you write about the beautiful parts and the hilarious parts and the nasty love parts. So what does a beautiful, healthy love look like to you? Cause I'm trying to figure it out, but it's also, I'm going to add this. Sorry. Whenever you've been raised around trauma, you don't know what it looks like.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I think it looks different for everybody. Right. Because um, many of us could sit there and be like that couple is this this and that, but we don't know how they communicate at home. We don't right. know how they navigate through stuff. And um, I think uh, uh, me and the man who who a lot of, is in a lot of these poems and the stories that I tell you, even even aside from all the other stuff, because trauma gets in the way, right? A lot of us have so much trauma that crowds relationships. But um, with he and I, what what we had and I held on for the longest time was that we mutually respected each other. Mm. Um, It got foggy a couple of times (laughs) there. But for the most part, like, we got now, specifically, we're at a place where, like, um, he sees me in all my glory Mm. and tells me he's, like, very proud of me but doesn't try to take crowded. He Mm. tried for a while, but now he learned to chill the fuck out. But doesn't try to take up any... Of the spotlight, and it's just like just tells me. He goes, "Do you know what you do for this world?" And he tells me that like wow. all the time, and I'm like, "What the fuck is That's this?" That's like, rare. Getting <laughs> like a man is genuinely complimentary, mm, right. right? No, but um, but I think, I think healthy relationships are are the ones that are willing to do the work and to have the conversations. And sometimes it takes a lot of conversations mm-hmm. to get to that space, you know. Um, a lot. <laughs> Y'all of, feeling that? A lot of, like, I'm so fucking frustrated because you're not telling me what I want to hear. You know? And then realizing that it's not, that's not why you're talking. or well, that's not why you're having a conversation. Um, he and I had a conversation on my IG Live once.
3: I've seen some of them. They're exciting.
2: <laughs> he's game for it. I tell him, <laughs> I'm like, I'm on Instagram Live right now. And then he's just like, fuck it, keep me on. I'm like, all right, well, let's talk about us. And, um, oh, no. <laughs> and in the in the conversation, I asked him, I said, when you tell me you love me, what are you saying? What does that mean to you? And he goes, what does that mean to you? And I go, when I tell you I love you, I'm telling you I see all of you and I accept you. What do you mean when you tell me? And then he's just like, well, you know. And then it's like silence. He's <laughs> like, well, I guess that I want what's best for you. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm asking you when you tell me you love me what does that mean and then he was just like um I don't know that I think about you like (laughs) but then like if you ask them these direct questions you realize I'm like oh homie you don't even know what your love is right and I'm here upset that I'm not getting your love you don't even know what I'm asking for Mm. okay and so you know it 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 this makes sense that's complicated. That,
3: this is the one that's been around for the longest? Seven years. Woo-wee, lucky number seven.
2: No. <laughs> we started talking on Christmas Eve, and every Christmas Eve, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to talk to you again. And then, like, for some reason, ja- at the end of January, <laughs> hey. hey. Ah! Guilty. Or, like, hold uh, he was at a wedding when we had stopped talking, and he was at a wedding and he posted up a video. He said, I love love. Mm. And I responded, I'm like, motherfucker, you don't know what love is. <laughs> and How then dare you? by the end of the night, I was in his apartment, so whatever. <laughs> next question.
3: Let's see. Very, very timely, very fitting. <laughs> My next question is if we actually could talk more about dating and yes. dating while fat specifically. Ha. Because I don't get to talk to a lot of people about this. That's just, it's a journey.
2: Y'all, thin girls think you have it hard. <laughs> <sighs> this shit is some wild shit. It is. It's some wild shit. I had a man ask me if he could put his penis between my rolls of fat ones. There is a whole nother world of like kinks. And I was like, what do I get out of it? <laughs> a mess. You back here fucking my fucking lone and what am I? What am I doing? You're just like cheering him on? yeah, like, get it, baby ah! I don't know. um, I mean, I let him do it for expert, like for the
3: I admire you. I need a content, you know, yeah, of course. gotta write it on the column,
2: no, but New York Times uh, that's true no, but um, but in 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 the reality of it. I, I do a lot of work around that, like mm. a lot of my screenshots of dating apps and all that, yes, and um, <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> we all live for them. but
2: it becomes this thing, right, when you are a fat woman and you have the audacity to call yourself beautiful, mm, and you have the audacity to tell the world you're gonna love me like I wanna be loved, and you're gonna see me like a fucking person, not mm. like not like as a sex object, not as whatever it is that you want to project upon me it it causes this this discomfort in people, right? In 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 men, it's this need to to humble you. And so I've been in relationships with people that I thought saw me mm-hmm. and um, that were with me. And like I got into a relationship with someone I had been friends with for years. And when we started dating, he thought that he was gonna have a, a binge eating partner. Wow. You know, he would get high and then wanted to go eat, right? And at the time I didn't smoke. And so then I was just like, I'm not hungry because he would make me so anxious. I would lose my appetite. Oh, geez. Cause he was, it was a very, very like really abusive. Energy. It was a very, very really abusive relationship. Mm. But, but he was just like, why do you act like you don't eat?
1: Ew.
3: And I'm like,
2: Oh, this is some kind of fetish wow. that you were trying to fulfill by having this in your life. And, and so that's the moment that that ends up happening a lot where you hit a wall in a relationship and you're like, Oh, you thought this was going to be easier for you. Right. You thought that I wasn't going to advocate for myself mm. and you thought that you were going to be able to gaslight me any chance you get cuz I would be so grateful that you want right, me. Right, right, right. Motherfucker, like there is no shortage of dick for anybody. Not at all. Right? We got too
3: much sometimes. Right.
2: <laughs> so that is never the case, right. but but it it can be really heartbreaking sometimes right. to be in a world like what is it that they ask men like what they fear the most when they date someone from an from an app? when they meet up with someone, their biggest fear is that, they're gonna, that the woman is going to end up being fatter than what they oh, told them, I didn't and the woman's that. biggest fear is that they're going to get murdered. Like, how is that? Slightly different. How, like, I am what terror, like, I, I, but some part of me likes the idea that I haunt, like, that I terror, like, I terrify them, Boom. You know? Uh. <laughs> like, Boo, I'm fat, motherfucker, and then they're like, ah. oh, no. Yeah. <laughs>
3: We just do the, the head shots only. Nah, I'd be like, look, I'm fat, bitch. You No, I you got all it? my
2: my crop top pictures. Right, right. My, all My of to it. the side <laughs> picture so they could get, like, the, the profile view of, like... All layers of My profile movie. says fatter in person, and it's I like... Love it. you, but you, But isn't it kind of fucked up that we got to go through all these me- measures so right. that they can't... So that they don't meet us, and then they're like, oh, you tricked us. Right. And I'm like, you, you really think I went out of my way to trick your ass that when you take off your hat, you're bald? Like... <laughs> We all have things we're working with or not working working with with or not working with. We all have our things and it isn't about tricking anybody. Like, I, yeah.
3: So I can talk about that all day. I love it. I, I, I think it's because they see us as desperate and like a lot of people don't think we deserve love because fatness and fat phobia is like, the grandest hate, not really, there's obviously lots of other isms, but fat phobia doesn't get discussed, and it's like for someone to own their fatness and not see it as a bad thing is very intimidating to men, and even if they're interested in it, they still don't know how to approach it, or they're afraid of what their theas are going to say, and they're mm. like, oh no, we don't want to bring out the Herbalife today, like I'm not taking her home. So I just always, when Talking I can <laughs> I get random herbalife people following me on Instagram. Oh, I'm like, you know bitch. What,
2: you know what kind of men approach me a lot? Like really buff, like Yes.
3: The like big the steroid The personal trend. trainer.
2: Yes. The personal trainer. I'm like, are you looking for a date or for a client? <laughs> like I don't fucking I don't wanna be trained. I'm good. No, that but is they so but true. they like they They, they do. Spend, they know? like
3: will do sweet things to it too. And you're like, okay. They
2: don't even I, try to do the role. <laughs> I did I hooked up with someone once that was just like He goes. You think I lift all this shit just for fun? And then I was just like, Oh!
3: What you finna lift? Okay, sir. I see you. Pardon me. Did you do your workout today? Yeah. There. I can we talk about more of the types, or is that too much? Should we go on to the next question? I also noticed, like, this is a really rowdy.
2: (laughs) I feel like, whatever. Went for the ride. It's too late. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying like
3: <laughs> But there's also like the really thin types. There's like really buff types and then really thin types where they like wish they had your fatness kind of and you're like that's weird. I don't know. Have you ran
2: into that? No?
3: I maybe just I me. mean I
2: think I'm I would I'm gonna get fuck it, we're going there. So um <laughs> The one time I was very, with a very thin man, um, his penis wasn't. Stop, stop. And, and I learned a lesson, you know? You did? You are like, I don't discriminate.
3: That same.
2: Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to that. We
3: don't discriminate. Cheers. Let's go to the next one. Oh my God, I am a lightweight. Drag me. She said, slow down. Thank you for looking out for me. Oh my God, I love you. Okay. So the
2: that's question. a real one. She's like, "Cause I'm not helping you to the car. Shout later. out, my coworker <laughs> Kiera, I love
3: you. I love you. Okay, I'm not. Pitch, I always
2: drive you home. <laughs> I'm not doing this tonight.
3: Okay, okay. So transitioning. What is the best advice you would give to someone um, struggling to accept their body?
2: I will give you the best advice that the a cousin of mine, and she wasn't being fucked up when she said it, right? But I would wear, like, really big things, like, really loose things to cover to cover up, right? Mm-hmm. And then one day, like, I think I was complaining about my outfits or, like, wanting to be able to wear a certain thing or whatever. And she goes, you know, Jessica, we all know you're fat. Like, mm. it's not a secret. So wear whatever the fuck you want to wear. Wow. And then I sat with that, and I was just like, "I do. I don't do so much stuff. Right. And this was, like, before like I took on this whole self-love journey Mm -hmm. and whatever it was like at that turning point where I was just like that's I mean yeah like I'm I'm fat no matter where I'm at right like whether I'm on stage or I'm in the audience so why not fucking get on stage why not take up space in your own life if you already if you already feel like you take up so much space then fucking own that space Mm. own that space and show up in it and also like you're not obli- Self-love looks different for everybody. Loving yourself doesn't mean that you have to be as loud about your love as, as people like me are, right? Or, or other people. You have to find what that is for you and have it make sense for you and for your life. But just remember that just because you haven't figured out how to fully love your body yet doesn't mean that you are not worthy of other people's mm. love. That's the worst thing that we tell people. Like, you can't love others if you don't love yourself. Yes, you fucking can. Yes, You can, you can definitely love others, especially because many of us were taught, especially... Uh, a woman, woman of color, we're taught to give so much to the world and to love the world so much and to take care of everybody around us and that we come last. So we are perfectly capable of loving other people, but let's just learn to be a little bit patient with ourselves and be as gentle with ourselves as we are with everybody else. You know, like when Mm -hmm. one of your homegirls comes over and starts complaining about something, that same advice that you would give her, give to yourself. And also self-love is a decision you make every single day. It's not a question you answer one day, and then you never feel fucked up again. You feel different every day, and every day, if you have a day where the answer was no, that's okay, because tomorrow it might be yes. So yeah. I love it,
3: I love it. So as I said earlier, your transparency is something we deeply enjoy. So how do you best navigate the modern world with the internet and a sort of like internet fame and this new career path that that has
2: been your journey? Uh I think I think I didn't before I was just like fuck it everybody gets everything right? Mm. Like I'm out here with everything and then certain things um started happening where I was just like that's not responsible a lot, mm. you know, especially, like, with my relationships. I'm, like, there's a whole other person in the relationship, too. Right. And the fact that I have so much power that I get to tell our story to the world. Right. Like, there has to be some sort of integrity with that, too, right? And so I've scaled back a little bit. There's some things that I don't share because um, also, like, people have opinions and I'm mm. not ready to hear, mm. like... um. When I released Corazon, I, was, I didn't know I was pregnant, and then I found out while I was on tour, and then I had to decide what was going to happen. I decided to have an abortion, but I had a miscarriage before that happened. Mm. And I didn't share it with the public, because what do you do with that, right? right? it's a lot. Like, that's something. And then, like, the father and I hadn't had the conversation. We hadn't, like... I don't know what he was feeling, what he was processing. I just knew that I needed to get to the next show and then to the next show and then and then I had to write the next book. And then like I was just going like that for a wow. while. And 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 I wasn't ready to talk about right, to how what was supposed to be the happiest time of my life was also mm. the most painful part of my life. Wow. And like you sometimes I feel like I'm I'm robbed of my humanity a lot because people expect me to be grateful. People mm. expect me to be uh, to to be full of grace um to be um to forgive people that hurt me because for some reason my being someone that's whatever you would call that i am right like a popular writer or whatever that um that somehow i don't get to feel human things anymore Mm -hmm. i was on the phone with a friend when i was on tour once and he goes so like how's your tour going and i'm like I just landed in Seattle. I'm fucking exhausted. I just came from, like, the third city. And I usually don't do that. I like to go home every two, like, after every trip. I I like to, like, do a, a, like, a two-day trip and then go home for a week and then go somewhere else. Because I just have to see my family. I have to see the kids. They feed me. And so I had been gone for, like, eight, nine days, and that's a lot for me. And then, like, um... And then I'm complaining, right? My friend asked me how I'm doing, and so I'm telling him how I'm tired. Right. And then he goes, I don't want to hear it. He goes, you're doing you're doing what you said you wanted to do. Right. I don't want to hear it. And then I was just like, yeah, but I still have a fucking body that gets tired. Right. And, like, I, in the last three years, two years, I became disabled. Like, I have a... I have a condition. I don't care to go into the details of it. But, like, my body doesn't have the abilities it used to. And I can still push through and do my shows. But that means I need time to recuperate Mm -hmm. after or downtime. Right. And then, like, people don't understand because they see me being high performance Mm -hmm. or, like... This image of you mm -hmm. that they're used to. So then at first I was like, oh, I owe explaining shit to people. I'm like, no, I don't owe anyone other than my immediate family right. any explanation right. of anything yeah and so um i love 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 my my mangos i love mm-hmm. my readers i love the relationship we have but i've learned that you could set loving gentle boundaries mm. and sometimes not so gentle right. cuz i'd be checking people when they try to when they try to test that but for the most part folks understand and they respect yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that's really, really important is boundary setting. And then because you are, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's what happens is people feel like they have full access to you. So they have expectations of you. And so it's really, really important for you to set boundaries. I think a lot of us are learning how to set boundaries still.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I'd be like, ask me questions about whatever. And then somebody would be like, my man left me. What do I do? And I'm like, bitch, I told you to ask me questions (laughs) about the avengers or something right. i don't know you know that is
3: funny <laughs> well i guess i'm gonna delete my next question no, i'm just kidding um so we No, this is different <laughs> <laughs> yay um we are in texas and yes. um so we're surrounded by predominantly latinos that are mexican mm-hmm. so what is your biggest tip to salvadorians in predominantly mexican places and how can Mexicans do better because we're very used to ourselves and we need to be better um, accomplices to, to other people? Uh,
2: I think um, it's, it's a <laughs> – no, um, no. Yeah, I'm just getting – I'm finding the words for it. So I think it's okay for a group of people that normally is used to having the microphone or the loudest voice to shut the fuck up sometimes and let other people talk. And I think that that's like what all of us need to learn to do with more marginalized people, whatever, whatever, if when we are the majority and it's a marginalized group, we need to do that with the marginalized group. Right. And a lot of us can understand that when we're asked to do that for, for, um, for causes that have been championed for a long time, right? Like, so for, if it's like, if we're in a space where there's not that many black folks speaking and a black folk wants to speak, we know that we need to give them access to, because they've done the hard labor of right. teaching us that we need to be better allies to them, right? And we could receive that and we hear that and we try to show up as much as we can. Right. So why can't we do that when we tell each other? Right. That? You know what I mean? Like when a Salvadoran tells Mexicans like, hey, I feel like your nationalism is, can be dangerous and, or can make me feel uncomfortable in a space. Can you chill a little? And then people are like, why do you hate Mexicans? And I'm like, it's not that I hate Mexicans. It's just that I was made to feel like I wasn't welcomed as a Salvadoran. And so can we figure out how you can make me not feel like that? Right. Or not even can we figure out, can you figure out how right. to not make me feel like that? Because I'm here too. Right, and I'm here to tell this to tell my story too that it's extremely valid, and especially because my country has been suffering for so fucking long mm-hmm. that right now, in this time, people are paying attention and it's at such an unfortunate like so much unfortunate things had to happen why are you adding to the noise of it all right. and not supporting us mm-hmm. and not supporting and not and not holding us up when when a lot of other central american activists were next to a lot of chicano activists when it was time to do so mm-hmm. you know and so it's like it's like we're not each other's enemies, and someone wanting you to acknowledge their their identity doesn't discredit yours. Because right. I think people think to, seem to think that. Like mm-hmm. when I'm very loud, like uh, I get booked for things, and people try to uh, call me a Chicano poet. I'm like, no, I'm not Chicano. I'm Salvadoran. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, but Chicano is a political identity. No, no, no. Because when you hear Chicano, you think Mexican. Yeah. When you hear Chicano, you know exactly what you're thinking. You're not thinking, oh, Latinx people that have these. These right. political values. No, no, no. Right. You are thinking someone that is Mexican American. Right. Right? And, and and that is not my experience. Right. Right. You know? I'm Southern California. There's a lot of Mexican influence in me. There's a lot of words that I thought were Salvadoran and I'm finding out they're not. Because <laughs> like, other Salvadorans are like What the fuck? You're not one of ours. And then and then you whatever, that's a whole other story. But um but I have so much love and respect for the Mexican culture, but the times that I've asked them to, be, to hold themselves accountable, it's like there's this anger. Like, mm. why? How dare you? Right. And then, like, someone DM me once are like, you have what you have because Mexicans support you. Damn. Like, let's, let's bring this down a little bit. Right. Let's bring this down a little bit. I have what I have because I've worked my ass off. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I value everyone that values me as a person. Right. Not a poet, not, not a single sliver of something as Yesika as a whole entire person with my complicated ass mm-hmm. identity. And sometimes I say things that might be off. Mm-hmm. And my DM is open for you to be like, hey girl, like that was problematic, let's talk about it. That's cool, but for you to be like, I'm gonna burn your books. i be like, well you already bought Damn. them, so do whatever you want. <laughs> Make a fire.
3: Ah. Buy more to add to your little pile.
2: (laughs) Jesus. All
3: right. So we're going to have Q&A after my my final question. I have two more, so I don't know if we want to line them up or how we want to do it. Um, Maybe Rafa will help us figure that out. I don't know. Where our magical
2: people went. Right.
3: (laughs) There he is. Wow. He is magic. Um, All right. So what does a day of self-care
2: for you look like? Ooh, so my most recent day of self-care. So I, I was always against, like, superhero movies or, like, whatever. My sisters really liked them. And then, like, my group of friends, like, the guys in my group of friends really, like, bond over them. So that I'm like, fuck that. That's not my shit. <laughs> and then, but then I've, lately I've been getting really high and watching all the Marvel Universe movies. Oh, my God.
3: You become I watched, one of them?
2: I've watched every single Avenger. And, I, and now I think in superheroes. Like, I was on the airplane, and I looked out, and I'm like, is Captain Marvel going to be out? I'm Stop Like, I'm on like a good it. one. Um, That's some good weed for real. I have a sponsorship, so. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> California. No, but uh, I, I love binge-watching things. Yeah. I'm, like, a very passionate person about anything that I find. Like, when Game of Thrones was the thing that I was, g- game, okay. I and then everybody got mad at me because I kept spoiling the end. I love, <laughs> I love riling y'all up, but, um. I love you, but I'm like a big sister, so I love like nudging, nudging people. But Game of Thrones was my thing. Um, so a, a day where I am at home, self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't answer emails. Mm-hmm. I might like go on Instagram because it's fun sometimes. Right. But I don't like do work. Um, I I'll watch whatever I feel like watching on my laptop, and then like I play with the kids. Yay. And then like order food for my family. I cook. That's me cooking. L- That's how do you do it? Modern day.
3: Modern day cooking.
2: I come <laughs> uh-huh. I to i I'm a treat you I'm post me. Be like <laughs> Today and I And then I'm train. like and then throw in three churros cuz I'm going to be stone leader Stop. And then, you
3: know. That is hilarious. All right. Are we lining people up? How are we doing it? Where did he go? Magical Rafa. All right. Then my final question is what are your biggest dreams moving forward?
2: oh man there's so many and that's the beautiful thing right that um i'm at a point in my career which i've accomplished so much that i didn't know i was going to accomplish but there's so much more i want to go into songwriting Ooh. um Come and, on. and that's happening sooner that's actually in the works stop i'm, going I'm so excited
3: what okay <laughs> songwriting okay
2: go yeah ahead. Go ahead. i mean i don't know a single thing about songwriting <laughs> but it's a a something that I'm interested to learn and, and to look into um, and to, you know, figure out. I, one of my dear friends, um, J.P. Sachs, if you don't know who he is, you need to look him up. He has a beautiful song called If the World Were Ending. He's a beautiful Canadian man. I realize that I have a thing for Canadian men because I just realized I'm in love with um, Seth Rogen. Oh, my God. I don't know what's happening. I usually, the whites don't that register load. for me, but right now I'm like...
3: That laugh, he's like. Hoo, hoo, I'm hoo, like hoo, Seth hoo. Rogen can get it. He kind of could. I agree with you actually. I think, but I don't want him to mm. laugh during sex. That laugh. He's
2: dorky. He's I, cute. He's married. But whatever. That don't whatever. mean nothing.
3: Let me tell you that.
2: You know, Drake is. I mean, Drake is still my main. But you know. Well, whatever. But I, I'm gonna go into songwriting, and <laughs> then um, uh, I I mean, there's uh, many books. There's many books to be written and i'm interested in doing longer form eventually um i'm working already on the fourth manuscript um that's going to be about catfishing yeah yeah and so that's,
3: that's
2: be Ooh. you saw the live last night you got a sneak oh yeah peek? i read i read about four poems from the new manuscript yesterday i'm not good at keeping secrets um you know how people say move in silence like i'm like for what like, like lasagna no for real like yeah, sometimes you don't want to say things because like you haven't signed a contract yet, or you don't want to mess that up. Right. But also like celebrate. Yeah. Revel in it. Have fun. I get hype when something happens, and I'm like, what am I gonna tell? Yeah. My mangos. <laughs> and then like, and then I forget to tell actual people in my life. You but, didn't know. Um, you
3: didn't hear. The mangos heard. You didn't hear. What the hell?
2: But I'm just excited to keep continue keep on taking the world taking the world on, and and also I really really am excited to see what other voices are going to join me in doing mm, so. I love it. Yay! So,
3: yeah. All right. All right.
2: So what's going to happen now?
3: We have Q&A time.
0: So um, we are in a little bit of a time crunch, so we're ah. only going to be able to take about three or four really short questions. And I saw one hand right there. So you're one, you're two, three, standing up in the back. Three, and one, one final one. Trick. Right?
3: There's a the no, one yeah, up yeah, here, I got too. It.
0: One, two, yeah, I'm gonna and then fight.
2: right here. Okay. Fight, fight, fight. Sisterhood.
0: To, no, no, no. I'll bring the mic to you. And
2: I'll try not to be long-winded to see if maybe I could, we could squeeze. We'll see. Okay. Squeeze another one. Yeah.
3: Ding. Hi, I'm Hi. from L.A. Hi. <laughs> hey.
1: Love you so much. Thank you for being here. Um, My question is, there's a lot of conversation about being fat, in love, in relationships. What about in your career? Have you been seen? How do you feel? What are your thoughts? Like, (laughs) I feel like I get it around my peers, my coworkers. Like, I don't feel as respected sometimes just because of, you know, my weight (laughs) amongst other skinnier people. What are your thoughts?
2: Um, I know for a fact that there's rooms that I haven't been invited into because I'm a fat woman. There's uh, uh, places that don't book me because I'm a fat woman. Um, And that's fine. They're missing out. Um, I know I know that I have taken years to learn what I do and to do it well, and if folks can't see that because of the way that I look, then that's fine. And um, I've turned down things too because they wanted my words and not my image, and I don't do that. I, if you're going to book me, you're booking me. Um, so, yeah.
1: Hi, Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm not going to lie to you, this is my first time ever actually hearing your poems. That's I fine. <laughs> I was actually invited by a friend, but my question is to you, at what point did you realize that your emotions and your thoughts needed to be written down?
2: I, my first memory of writing a poem was in the first grade. I, learned, I started writing when I learned how to write, and I was just raised in a family where books were around all the time. So it just made sense. I'm like, oh, there's stories, I have a story. And um, yeah, that's my first memory of writing a poem was in the first grade. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank
1: you.
2: Who
1: else? Hello, Yasika, my name is Serena, how are you doing? Hello, how are you? Very well, very well. You're very inspiring, by the way. So I have a question, so I'm a singer. And I'm into songwriting and also writing. But uh, how do you maintain your focus? Like, how did you uh, find that solitude to cut everybody out and not have any distractions and push yourself to stay focused and complete a book?
2: Well, I also, I learned two things, right? I learned that I work best with deadlines. Right. So, because I leave things to the last minute. And I like submerging myself in what I'm doing. So most of my books, like, the actual manuscript, um, a lot of the poems exist, but the work of the manuscript, I usually do it in a two-week span, because that's how I work. But also, in the sense, I also try to be mindful of the fact that, as people of color, we live in a capitalist country right. that tells us that we are only as good as we are when we're working. Right. So I feel like if I don't feel like working, then I'm not going to fucking work. Okay. Because I don't owe anybody my labor if I'm not going to be doing it with a full heart. And I mean, I know that some of us don't have the privilege to say those things, right? Like for me, I work for myself and I get to do that. But also like we're creating beautiful art that's from the heart and so having to cut off the world around us isn't maybe not what we need. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. if you're still being called to be in the world while you're creating, then it's because the world is trying to tell you something. There's something that your art needs to receive some sort of message. And so when that happens to me, I take my ass to a museum, I go to a bookstore, I I go to a movie theater alone. I do things alone in the world. So, like, I'm around people. I'm not cut off from the world, but I'm still...
1: Seeking inspiration. Yeah, I'm seeking
2: experience. I'm drinking things in. Right. And then when you're ready to go into hibernation or you're ready to, like, remove yourself, then that can happen. Mm -hmm. But we just need to be mindful of that because our mental health sometimes can get really triggered by long isolations. Right. If we're not used, like, especially if we're people that are used to being around other people. But we're always told that like, when you're creating, you're gonna go in the studio yeah. and disappear, right. or you're gonna go fucking hide in somewhere and create this book, and not all of us have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, But my motivation usually is a hard deadline, where I'm just like, oh, I have to get this in now, like this day, or so I'm never gonna do it. Right. And um, it might not be the healthiest way, but that's my process. Right. Like when I have to turn in my column, I'm writing it, like it's due in New York. So I'm writing it at three in the morning in LA, which is six in the morning in, in New York before my editor gets to her office. Yeah. And then I'm like pressing send and then I'm like, all right.
1: right. Oh, you don't read it? You don't read your work after? I or mean, like I'll just, read it and make
2: sure that yeah. it says what I wanted it to say, but yeah. like.
1: You don't overthink
2: it.
3: Click send. Yeah. But then like
2: my editor will read it and be like, this doesn't make sense and then we'll work on it. Yeah. But um, well, you made the deadline. Okay. But I made the, made the deadline. Dope. So just. Know your process and yeah. honor your process and be gentle with yourself if you veer off course. Right. Okay? Got it. And then, yes. are we good? One more? Or?
0: Do we have one more? Over here. Where? Oh, Up boom. front.
1: Hi. Um, Hi. I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you. I, I brought my friends. We're, we're all. <laughs> um, so, do, what advice do you have for any inspiring writers? Or anyone who wants to go into the arts, I'm a journalism minor, but I also mm-hmm. love writing. So I just wanted to...
2: So my advice is um, that I tend to tell people that um, if you're gonna, like, like I said earlier, I would still be doing this whether this was happening or not, right? So if your heart is calling you to create, and the one thing that's keeping you from doing it is how it's gonna be received, fuck that. Do it anyway. Write what you need to write and then write some more. Because if we don't write our stories, someone else will. I'm going to name drop like for a brief second. So I was at a show. I, I, I was booked for an event for Levi's. And along um, with me, uh, Gloria Steinem was the key- keynote And so we were in the green room together and she had heard my poem and we're talking. And then she goes, there's a difference between, she goes, the difference between the past and history is that history is what got written down. So we all have a collective past, and we all know what the truth is about our collective past, about our colonization, about how we've lost, or how we've lost so much at the hands of so many things, right? Or, and just like how as people were trying to come back to our true selves, right? And that's our past. But that shit didn't get written down. So the history that's being taught to people is that we were saved by these colonizers that came to show up. And colonizes. And now we're all having to do that work to undo that shit. So if we start writing our stories now, that becomes a new history. That becomes a history because it's on paper and no one can ever argue with what is a fucking fact down on paper. So your life is your life and your story. And I mean, you're a journalist, you know this, right? So like how, why is it so easy to write about all these other things and all these other people, but you hesitate when it comes to writing your story when your story is the one that you know the best. So I hope you go home today and you keep writing.
3: Thank Thank you. you.
2: Thank you so much.
3: Beautiful. All right. That is all our questions for tonight. We are going to have a meet and greet next door at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. So if you want to make your way that way.
2: So I brought copies of Hermosa. They are fifteen dollars and I take Venmo.
3: Hey. Um,
2: if you don't know what that is, get with the times. Truly. Um you could give me cash. I don't even bring any change, so if you have if you can have exact change we'll or be whatever. what else, um, <laughs> um if you have copies of my books that you want me to sign, I'm more than happy to sign a piece that's something that you have. And if you don't want to buy a book, that's fine. You can always come and hug me and take a picture if you want to. And if you don't want a picture, you could just hug me. But I want to see your beautiful faces. Okay. Yay. Thank you. So
3: another round of applause for the beautiful, <clears throat> lovely Jessica Salgado. Thank you so much to SMU. Thank you so much to the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to make this maybe a podcast episode if it recorded. So you can check out The Colores Radio, my podcast. Um, thank you to the Texas Theater. So we'll see you next door. Thank you for coming. Have a good night. Yo.
0: De, De-, De Colores Radio. De 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 Colores Radio.